0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we know that it's a little different because the candle on our Advent wreath lit for the third Sunday of Advent is a a rose color rather than the purple of the other three. This Sunday within Advent is much like mid-Lent or refreshment Sunday during Lent, which are both meant to to carry with them an element of joy in the midst of the penitential season that we are honoring at this point in time. It is often called Gaudete Sunday, because of the Latin word that opens the liturgy in the ancient uh, liturgies of the church. Gaudete being one of the Latin words for rejoice. There are other words in Latin for rejoice or for joy, but this one connotes that particular theme that we focus on in Advent, and that is anticipation. What are we anticipating? Well, certainly the coming of our Lord, but prior to that, and in a larger sense than that, we're really rejoicing and anticipating in what Christ came to do, which is to restore. And that's a word that comes through Uh, Most of our lessons today, in Isaiah, in the Psalm, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, that we were like those who dream. In Paul, when he starts by saying, rejoice. That theme of being restored in our relationship with Christ is just as important as the theme that we uh, dealt with last week, which was the need to recognize our sin, what a hold it has on us, and our utter need for God's grace to bring us to repentance and to restoration, which is what today's theme is all about. Because the point of calling us To recognize and admit our sins is not for condemnation, but rather it is for restoration. That is one of the hardest things for faithful people to really learn to appreciate within our lives. We can appreciate it up here, but really feeling it is something else again. Because the fact of the matter is that when we do become aware of our sins, when we do hear that word of judgment coming, that conscience that pricks us, it comes as condemnation rather than as restoration. And today is here to remind us that the two go hand in hand for God. God's desire is not to condemn. God's desire is to restore, to restore all things to himself, to restore us in our relationships not only with God, but with one another as well. To restore the whole world to be what God wanted it to be from the very beginning. Now of course, that's a message that is proclaimed, but it has to be received, it has to be trusted, it has to be accepted for oneself. God is not a coercive God, and sin still clings to us. But having that vision of God's restoration in front of us should give us confidence and, and a, a sure and confident hope in the future, in our relationship with God. No one so communicates that power of that vision as the prophet Isaiah. Oh yes, like so many of the other prophets, he prophesied much in terms of judgment Uh, much in terms of impending punishment. Uh, But more than any other prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah conveys visions of restoration that are very, very powerful. Last week, we heard from the 40th chapter, "Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. This week, we hear a similar... A vision of God coming to restore people to their right minds, to their right health, to their right relationship with God. And a few chapters later are, is that famous prophecy that has been portrayed in uh, uh, paintings called the Peaceable Kingdom. Uh, we conflate it to the lion and the lamb. Actually, it's a wolf and a lamb and a lion and a calf, but, um, but the point is still the same. There is a peace and a harmony that is promised in the kingdom of God that we do not experience in our world today and in our own lives today. Modern scholars tend to say that Isaiah was actually written by more than one person, but by several people who wrote under the name of Isaiah and in the spirit of Isaiah. That seems to be based on a certain modern prejudice that no one can know the future and God would not convey the future to uh, uh, anyone even if God could. And I won't get into all the rationale of how that works. But the point is that Traditionally in the church, it was believed that Isaiah was, in fact, one person who had a very long ministry of prophecy. He actually was from the southern kingdom of Judah, but he prophesied to the northern kingdom about their impending doom if they did not repent, and indeed He saw and witnessed that destruction of the northern kingdom and the dispersal of its people into oblivion. We talk about the ten lost tribes of Israel. That's what we're talking about. But his ministry went on for 40 more years, and God gave him a vision to be able to see that what had happened to the northern kingdom was going to happen to the southern kingdom as well without the people repenting and returning to their God. But unlike that first destruction of the northern kingdom, he was also given to see that beyond an exile, there would be a restoration. There would be a homecoming. There would be a coming back and a rebuilding. And then... God gives him an even more powerful and extraordinary vision of a greater restoration yet to come. That the exile and the return of the people to their land was something that was but a dim image of the restoration that God intended for all people throughout the world that grand reconciliation with God's own self. We know from last week that the coming of Christ was something that took another 500 years. And as faithful Christians, we also know that it has taken 2,000 years to bring us to this place and we still await our Lord's return and the great restoration of the kingdom of God. Why would God take so long? It is a question that many Old Testament saints themselves asked. You see it in several places in the Psalms. How long, O Lord? How long? When will you bow your heavens and come down we await we await but the reason is not so much because of god it is because of that sin that clings so tightly to us we um want to follow we want to move forward in the way that God calls us to go but sin has that tendency to drag us back and drag us down is always attempting to do so and it would be easy for us to get discouraged and to give up trying that's where the vision of restoration comes in and is so important Because when we have that vision before us, when we hold that vision before us, it empowers us and it turns our longing hope into a sure and certain hope that God will accomplish his purpose of restoration within us and among us. That is the kind of confidence that Isaiah conveys. Some years ago, I had an Orthodox friend um, tell me about the Orthodox Study Bible, and um, I often read it, uh, finding helpful the commentaries, all of which come from the early theologians of the church. But at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, this is part of what is said. Our role is one of faith in response to God's holiness and vision for the world. Isaiah revealed the Messiah in amazing detail as if he were telling history instead of the future. As if he is telling history instead of the future. He describes the suffering of Christ together with his resurrection from the dead Proclaiming his kingdom as if it had already happened. When we have a real vision of restoration as being the final outcome of our relationship with Christ, it gives us confidence. It gives us strength to persevere. That's why Paul is able to say to the Thessalonians today, rejoice in all things because we know that God is working through it all for the accomplishment of his purposes. And elsewhere, of course, Paul says to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who works within us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. When we have that vision of restoration and hold it before us, we are able to persevere. We are able to find the strength and the hope that we need. And in many ways, that is what Advent is really all about helping us to learn how to live in that in-between time, between the reconciliation that has already taken place in Christ and the fulfillment that is yet to come in Christ's return. Within that tension, we have the vision, the restoration that gives us strength. Amen.